0: If you're able to stand this morning, and let's go over to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13, if you will turn there, and if you're visiting with us today, uh, if you received one of our uh, 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 outlines in the bulletin this morning, you can follow along that way. You know, the Bible does tell us that, that we who are in Christ, that we should walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Sight. And you just saw a wonderful illustration of a person who doesn't have his sight. Brother Peter walks every day without his sight. And it's a great illustration for us. I don't know, I, I, don't, I can't find it in the Bible, Brother Peter, where Jesus ever had Peter sing. But our Peter at Bible Baptist Church just sang, and he sang for the Lord. And what a blessing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. All of us should use our talents for the Lord. And I appreciate Brother Peter and so many of you that are doing what God has given you, using those talents and abilities. And some of you just need to say, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to swallow my pride, and I'm going to get in the choir, I'm going to serve, I, I want to do this, I, wanna do, I just want to serve the Lord. And I hope that's your heart this morning. And uh, we've been going through this series, and this morning, I always it, to me, it's always kind of sad when a series comes to an end. And uh, we're going to conclude this series on "Live It Out," And I hope you've enjoyed these aspects of our life that uh, only God sees. Uh, and I, so many of these have just spoke to my heart as I've been preparing these messages today, is, as we conclude, is one of those uh, things in our lives, one of those aspects that I think many of us struggle with from time to time. And I've entitled today's lesson this this thought, Are You Satisfied? Because I think so many people are dissatisfied. We don't like who we are. We don't like the job that we have. We don't like the way we look. If our hair's curly, we want it straight. If it's straight, we want it curly. I mean, it's just amazing how we are not satisfied. And you know what happens when you're not satisfied? You're not happy. You see, oftentimes the dissatisfaction of life takes the joy that God wants us to have. And instead of being a happy Christian, oftentimes we are not happy. We are grumbling and griping and complaining. But I'll tell you one thing, we can have satisfaction, and that satisfaction is found only in the Lord. And so this morning, two verses we'll use as our text in Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse number 5, and you follow along there this, this morning. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let's read those two verses together, all right? Everybody have those in front of you, all right? Let's read these together. Let's begin in verse 5. Here we go. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God, the eternal truths. And Lord, I pray this morning as we look at this aspect of our life that you see that oftentimes many may not see, but it does manifest itself out in our life. Now Lord, bless the word of God this morning. May it fall on receiving hearts today, hearts that are willing to do whatever you ask of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Our lives, like every other person, is built on a foundation, and the foundation of our lives needs to be right. When the storms of life come into our lives, when the storms hit our lives, Our lives, if they're not founded on the proper foundation, our lives will fall. Uh, It's evident so many times when you see how things are illustrated, even in when Jesus was on this earth, he illustrated that oftentimes you see that there are people that have different foundations in their lives. And because of the different foundations, oftentimes there's different results. Notice, That as the storm comes in Matthew 7, verse 24, the Bible says there in your outline or in your Bible, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which hath built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. When you look at this passage and you see this illustration on the screen this morning, understand that. You are either building like that wise man or you're building your life like that foolish man. The foundation is so important, and one of the worst destroyers of a good foundation is when we are discontent or this matter of discontentment. There are very few people in the world today that are content, that they are happy with where they are and what. As the Bible says we have, people complain about the weather and they complain about their job and they complain about the politics and the political scene in the world today. They complain about, be careful with this one, family members. Oftentimes we find it easy to find a target to complain about. And the process of developing contentment in our lives Developing contentment demands that we have a a discipline in our lives, and it's a discipline that many, quite frankly, are not willing to develop, and that's why they consider contentment, being content, a rare jewel. People that are happy with what they have, what God has blessed them with. Discontentment plagues our society. It's all this me-first mindset. You know, you see this so often in the news, an obsession with self. People are, are focusing on themselves, and we see this uh, many times in society, in violence, in perversion, in political scandals, and even among families, as families begin to break up, just like that house that was founded upon the sand. People are constantly moving. I know as a kid growing up, that uh, in the first 13 years of my life, we moved eight times and we never left the same city. Eight times. People are constantly changing jobs. They're unsettled in their spirit. Many live with constant jealousy and unhappiness because they have not yet discovered and found that contentment is only found in the Lord. But for the Christian discontentment is destructive to our spiritual walk oftentimes it will it will halt our walk for god and so how can we build contentment into our lives how can we have the right foundation well hebrews chapter 13 verses five and six that we all read together this morning gives us three ways that we can build contentment into our lives notice first of all this morning that we need to build contentment by rejecting covetousness. We need to be content in our lifestyle. Look what it says in verse number five again. Let your conversation be without covetousness. The word conversation is not necessarily just the way we talk to one another. Our conversation is our lifestyle, the way we live our lives, every day. And he says here that we need to be content in our lifestyles. Matter of fact, it was illustrated all the way back in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, where the last of the Ten Commandments teaches this matter of covetousness. Look at what it says in Exodus 20, verse 17. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Now, nowadays we, we wouldn't think to ourselves, boy, I wish I had my, my my neighbor's ox or my neighbor's ass, but I'll tell you what, we might look over our neighbor's house and say, I wish I had that big four-wheel drive pickup truck that he has. I wish I had that house that he has. I wish I had that bass boat that he has out back. You see, the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. We need to be content in our lifestyles. When we are content in our conversation, our lifestyle, we will not be coveting after that which is not our own. And one of the reasons that oftentimes we're led to covet is because there are people today that are experts in marketing. I mean, this marketing mentality tells us that we are not successful unless we have the earthly goods to prove it. (laughs) Oftentimes, uh, he who dies with the most toys doesn't win. We find that these marketing techniques and this mentality, it just creates discontentment because we oftentimes can't have or can't afford all of those things. A covetous lifestyle is never satisfied. It's always seeking more. I've got to have more. Benjamin Franklin said, discontentment makes rich men poor while contentment makes poor men rich. There was a recent study through U.S. News and World Report, and they asked this question to people, how much money would you need to fulfill what is oftentimes called the American dream? you know what the the number one response to that was? Look at this. They indicated they would need about twice as much as they already had. You see, in other words, it's all about more, twice as much. There was a pilot one day and he was always, as he was flying, he was always looking down intently on a certain valley in the Appalachian Mountains and when his plane would fly overhead that certain area, he would always look down. And his co-pilot noticed that he would always do this at a certain time. And he asked him, he said, what's so interesting about that one spot that you always intently look at? And the pilot said, he says, do you see the stream down there? And he says, yes, I see it. He says, well, when I was a kid, I used to sit down there by that stream on a log and I would fish as a little boy. And he says, and every time a plane would fly over, he says, I would look up and wish that I was flying. He says, but now I look down and wish that I was fishing. (laughs) You see, we always want what we don't have. Folks, call it what you want. That's called being discontent. And the Bible tells us To build contentment. Well, how do we do that? By rejecting covetousness, being content in our lifestyles. We are easily discontented people. If we have an iPhone 10, we're not happy because we've got to have an iPhone 11. Can I tell you, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you know what comes after an iPhone 11? An iPhone 12 and a 13. They've got you. Listen, they're laughing all the way to the bank. We live our lives trying to keep up with the latest in fashion and technology. The devil tries to convince us that if we had what others have, that we would be satisfied. You've heard the old saying, trying to keep up with the Joneses. I don't know who the Joneses are, but they must have had a lot. Nowadays, people are trying to keep up with the Kardashians are trying living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. I mean, all these people, they're trying to have that which they think would satisfy them, but that is simply not true. Because listen, God wants us to be content with Him. You see, the only way we're going to be happy is what Brother Peter talked about this morning. Is give me Jesus. You can have what this world offers. When Jesus is our all in all, we can be content. George Washington's wife, Martha, she said, the greatest part of our happiness or misery depends upon our dispositions and not upon our circumstances. Everything we have can be taken away at any moment. You want a good illustration from the Bible? Job. Here today, gone tomorrow. Don't put all your trust in the things of this world. Look at Paul writes, 1 Timothy six seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom, wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Say, that's what's been happening to my money. It's been flying away, you know? I mean, listen, God knew what he was doing when he gave me four daughters because I've never had money, you know? And that's what, that when you set your eyes and your whole life about riches, the Bible says, look, don't do that. They're going to fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Learn to find your satisfaction in God alone. You see, he says that we've got to be content in our lifestyles. But notice we need to be content in our hearts because uh, Christians that are content, they know. And here's the reason why they're content. Because they know that God is sovereign and they know that God is in control. So, you know, a lot of times you see Christians and it's a sad thing when Christians desire the things of this world and they desire the things of this world so much that they step outside of God's will so that they can have those things or covet after those things. Again, go back to 1 Timothy, look at chapter six, verse number nine. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, what is Paul writing there, what is God trying to get us to understand from those verses, that the cost to step outside of God's will to covet after the things of this world comes with a high price. That's what he's saying. So when our lives revolve around possessions, it's an indicator of a covetous heart. And God tells us if we're going to build contentment in our lives, we've got to reject covetousness. We need to understand that God is commanding. He's not asking us. He's commanding. Notice the word let there in verse number five. Is God says, look, we need to reject being covetous people, and we need to make sure that we are turning our eyes toward the Lord, that we are finding our confidence in him. And so notice that God says, if you want contentment, reject covetousness. But notice another way to build contentment is by this matter of remaining content. Go back to verse number five again in Hebrews 13. He he begins again by saying, let your conversation be without covetousness, and look at this, and be content with such things as ye have. And when you think about your life, I'll tell you this, how many of you would test this morning that you are blessed of God? You know why? Because God has given to us. God has blessed us. That would be as Hebrews 13 is referring to the things that you have. And God says, be content with those things. Be content is a choice. It means that you need to be satisfied with what God has given to you. God wants us to be thankful for what he has given to us and what he has done for us. Look, can I tell you that we don't have to wait for November to roll around every year and cram all of our thankfulness into that one month. God says, just be content every day of your life. Look at Philippians 4.11. Paul writes, not that I speak in respect respect of want. Look at this. He says, for I have learned This is a lesson God taught Paul, that whatsoever state I am in, therewith, whatever state I'm in, be content. That's why when you you look in the Bible and you see Paul and Silas at midnight sitting in the prison, singing praises to God and praying, he was content. He was happy where he was. I mean, all the people were like, Who are these crazy people? Don't they know they're in jail? Don't they know their their feet are fast in stocks? Don't they know that, listen, they don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Their life may come to an end. But yet Paul and Silas were content. Paul says, I've learned whatever state I am therewith to be content. Our discontentment shows itself many times. One of the ways it shows itself is in our credit card debt. Ouch. It really irritates me at being a, a father of children. And of course, most of my children, I guess I could say these words, are grown, although your children are never grown, but they target teenagers with credit cards now. Most teenagers, and by the time they reach college age, they're so far in debt. Why? Because they're buying this and they're buying this, and it straps them. For many, many years, if not for the rest of their lives. I, I, I know this firsthand, even before I ever received my first credit card as, as an adult, my dad, I didn't know this when I was a kid, but as I got older, I found out that my mom and dad, uh, every year, they, like many parents, they always wanted what was best for their kids, and they thought that we would be happy with the things that we would get at Christmas time. So my dad, who was a hardworking man, my mom worked most of her life, they would go out and they would charge Christmas. I remember when I was a kid, we'd come out Christmas morning and there'd be all kinds of packages out there underneath of the tree and we'd rip into those things. I mean, I'd get this and get that and I mean, G.I. Joe's. How many of you remember G.I. Joe's? You know, and uh, I mean, there was all kinds of things. And you know, I found out years later that what my dad would do is he would go in debt to buy all that Christmas, and then he would work himself to death all year long to pay off all of that Christmas, and then he would turn around and do it again. Now, as a kid, I never knew that. I never realized that. My dad said to me one time, he said, son, I remember those days. He said, you know what always amazed me was? He said, we would get all the the, the latest and the finest and this and that. And he says, and you guys would tear into them. And he says, about an hour later, he says, I'd come into the living room and he said, said, you were in there playing with the cardboard boxes instead of playing with the toys. He said, I thought to myself uh, later on in life, I could have just bought a bunch of cardboard boxes and not gone into debt. But see, we think that Those things will bring happiness. We miss out on opportunities many times because we are not content with the things that we have. Now, look at this. If we're going to build contentment, we have to remain content. Well, how do we do that? Notice we are to be content. Why? Because God has provided for us in the past. Is that true or not? God has. So as we think about this, look, a lot of times we worry about tomorrow. You know, what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I still going to have my job? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? We worry about all these things. But if you look back, look, I know this in my life, that I've been reminded time and time again how God over and over and over and over and over again has provided for us. Look at Psalm 37. I love verse 25. David writes, I've been been young and now I'm old, and yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed-begging bread. I think a lot of us that, I guess I'm putting myself in that category today, old, can attest to the fact that, listen, God has never forsaken me. God has always provided in the past. God has always come through. We are a blessed people. Why? Because God provides for us and God takes care of us. Can I get an amen this morning? God provides for us. Now listen, if we are going to remain content, then one way we do that is we, we are always need to be reminded of the fact if God has taken care of us in the past, then look at secondly, God will take care of us, God will provide in our future. Look back in verse number five, look at the end of the verse. He says, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Let's say that together. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now listen, let's say it like we mean it. I will never leave thee. Do you believe that? Who said that? God did. God says, I'll never leave you. Other people might. Other people might turn their back on you. But he says, you can take... You can be a content Christian if you would just always remember, not only have I provided for you in the past, but he says, I'm going to provide for you in the future. He says, I will never leave you. The greatest provision that God has ever given to us is his presence. That God is with us. I love the name in the Bible, Emmanuel. God with us. Look, yes, Jesus came and died on the cross. And he is interceding today at the right hand of the Father. But before he left this earth, he said these words, I will never leave you. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we have the the blessing, the provision of his presence. And if we are content in Jesus... Then, guess what we're going to do? We're going to experience peace in our life. We'll have the joy that only the Lord give, our mind, uh, our peace of mind will not fluctuate whenever our finances go up and down. When the economy takes a turn, we, we will have that peace of mind because we always know that God is in heaven and God is in control of what is going on. Look in your notes there, Matthew 6, verse 30, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Look, God knows what you need. God knows what it's going to take for you to make it through tomorrow, to make it through this next week, to make it through these these days in your life. But look at this. He says, although I know all those things and I can provide all these things, God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Folks, do you get it this morning? Do you understand the biblical principle there? He's talking about contentment. Our main concern tomorrow should not be our bank statement, and our main concern should not be our investments. Our main concern should be the kingdom of God. God promises that he's going to provide for our future. And can I tell you this morning, with all confidence, God keeps his promises. Look, it's, I love this verse, 1 Kings eight fifty six. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. See, if we're going to build contentment in our lives, folks, we have to do it by rejecting covetousness, and we have to build contentment by remaining content. But notice, thirdly, this morning, we need to build contentment by renewing confidence And I want you to see this this morning because God wants us to be able to boldly claim his help. Why? Because, look, the devil is walking about seeking whom he may devour. God is our help. Satan is a liar. What the devil is trying to do is create doubts and guilt in us. And the devil wants us to live our lives in a defeated attitude. But I love 1 John 4, 4, year of God, little children. Ye have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we don't have confidence in someone, you know what happens? What happens is we begin to worry. Sometimes we put our confidence in man, and man fails us. I hope that I never do. I hope I don't fail you as a pastor or as a Christian, but can I tell you this morning, don't put your hopes in me. I put my pants on just like you put yours on. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. But I will tell you this morning that as we put our confidence in God, we can come with all boldness. You know why? Because God is able, God will never let us down. We need to be confident in His ability, and this confidence in Him gives us contentment. You see, I'm confident that God is able. I really believe this with all my heart. Those Hebrew children that were cast into that burning, fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, they had a peace and contentment. Why? Because they stood before Nebuchadnezzar and said, Listen, O king, our God is able. They said, if not so, they said, listen, we know that God is with us, that God will go with us through this time. And notice we can be content. How do we do that? By remembering his presence. Look back in chapter 13 again. At the end of verse number five, again, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, verse six, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. <laughs> listen, can you say that this morning? the Lord is my, you ever thought about that? He's your helper. <laughs> I, the other day, I my, my granddaughter, we finished up something, actually it was yesterday, and we were stacking the chairs on, we got this little cart with wheels on it, we stacked all the chairs on there, and little Ezra was helping, he was picking up chairs bigger than him, you know, and he was carrying them over there, and so I was putting them on, got them all on the cart, and my granddaughter says, she says, Poppy, I want to help you, and I said, okay, and so said, you know how she helped me? I pulled that cart to the back of the church, and she jumped on the back of it. <laughs> she rode that cart all the way back to the back of the church. She helped me. Can I tell you, that's not how God helps us. God doesn't say, hey, listen, I want to help you and jump on something that we're having to pull and exert energy. I love the fact that when he says here, when you're thinking about contentment, renewing our confidence in God, that we remember his presence, that God's promises are as good as his character in who God is. Look at Titus 1:2. In hope of eternal life, which God, look at these words, God cannot what? He cannot lie. He promised before the world began. The word boldly means to have confidence and look to be cheerful about that confidence, to have courage. Why? Because we're talking about our God, our helper. Many Christians are fearful in their lives. Why? Because they have lost their confidence. They have forgot who God is. In Sunday school this morning, we were talking about David, when David stood at the Valley of Elah. And the entire army, the host of Israel, were paralyzed with fear. And yet David stepped forward and said, is there not a cause? You know what he was saying? My God is able. And as I think about this this morning, we need to remember God's presence. He is our helper. He is the one that is there for us. Again, Daniel, look at this verse. He answered and said, lo, I see... Four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hey, listen, they didn't go through that fire by themselves. God went through it with them. The presence of God. Joshua was reminded of it too in his day, where Joshua 1, nine. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua, you know why he had such confidence? Because he wasn't leading the people by himself. God was right there with him. Hey, Paul, when he stood before Agrippa, Paul stood there that day, and the Bible says, the Lord stood with me. Hey, can I tell you this morning that you can have confidence, you can renew that confidence. Why? Just remember that whatever you're doing and wherever you go, God is there with you. You see, we can have that contentment by remembering his presence, but notice we can also have it by remembering his provision. And we've talked about this, but look at the end of verse number six. The Bible says... I will not fear what man shall do unto me. you know what this verse is reminding me of this morning? When I think of contentment, God here is promising that He will exercise His power on our behalf. Is there anyone more powerful than God? Not even the devil. And you know what God says? He says, I will, I'm promising you that I will exercise my power on your behalf. God has promised that wherever we are and whatever we may have in our lives, that we just need to simply cry out to him for help. Look at Psalm 61. The psalmist writes, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. God not only listened in our lives as we cry out to him, he will help us, but he also hears us when we pray. And even, listen, even sometimes when we don't know what to pray, God will help us to pray. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the spirit of God also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray as we, for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are times in our lives where we, look, we want to pray, we just don't know what to pray, and we need God's help during that time. Yeah, I think about the gifts of God. Every good gift in our life comes down from God. It says here, every good gift, perfect gift, is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be in that tonight, don't miss tonight the greatest chapter in all of the Bible, Romans chapter number eight. But at the end of that chapter, he writes, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There is confidence that can be had, and it gives us contentment. We have confidence. We can be satisfied with God. Are you satisfied today? Are you satisfied in God? You see, the Apostle Paul, I believe, was a great Christian. But I want you to listen to one more time this morning something that Paul had to learn. And I think it's a lesson that many of us either are learning or still need to learn. And I want you to listen to what he says. I have learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? Our eyes closed this morning. Have you learned that lesson of contentment yet? Have you learned to reject covetousness? Have you figured out that having things don't bring happiness? Some Christians that I know, they're miserable because they're, they're always chasing after the things of this world. Remember what the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Have you learned yet to choose contentment? To be happy with those things that God has given to you? Have you learned to be confident in God? He's there with you. He will keep the promises that he has made to you. Are you satisfied this morning? If there's something in your heart and life right now, and you know it, something that is troubling you, You're thinking about something that you think would make you happier. You need to ask yourself, do I want that more than I want God? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, everything that the scriptures have told us from Hebrews 13, contentment only comes from having God in our lives. And if you're not saved today, then you don't have the Lord as your Savior. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, we are born sinners. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only way you're ever going to be content in life is to trust Christ as your Savior to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not saved today, in just a moment, the piano will begin to play and we want to invite you to come and put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the truth of the word of God. Thank you for this matter that you taught us from Hebrews 13 about being content with that which you have given to us. Lord, help us to learn this matter of contentment so that we will be satisfied with you and you alone, that we will seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and we know that you will take care of us. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.